Welcome to another edition of the latest Shiny Podcast. This is your co-host, Stephen Spector. And with me, as usual, is the healthy and uh, brand new haircut, Rob Hirschfeld. Rob, you have your COVID cut. <laughs> Hello, Stephen. So, back on the show. If you think I, if my people can't see me through the podcast, but um, my, my, dog, my dog lost that battle. Oh, God. Well, your hair looks, uh, Rob, it doesn't look too terrible, but uh, I did shave off my crazy Civil War beard where I looked like one of those guys sitting in the, in the fields before they run out and stand 10 feet from each other shooting. So I had to get rid of that. But um, we have another new company, another new guest, which I'm really excited. You know, to our listeners, we're trying to find lots of new companies. And we have all the way from Israel, we have Ohad. Mashlish, and I think I said it close enough, Ohad, and, he, okay. and he's with a company called N0. That one, I'm not sure if I did so wrong, but uh, they have a great website. It's really cool, and I like your logo, and I know I always comment on people's logos, but it's really, mm-hmm. it's really cool. Well, Ohad, why don't you uh, give us just a quick, quick background of yourself, uh, a little bit about your company, and then we'll jump in on technology and see where we go. Sure, and I just want to start by uh, mentioning that I also uh, cut my hair by myself a week ago, so uh, we feel uh, mutual here. But, but your yeah. hair is so sh- so much shorter than Rob's. So do you usually have your hair that short, Ohad? I mean, it's really short. Usually I don't cut it like that, but you know, <laughs> there, was no many op- there were no many options, uh, so you just do what you can during this period. Very funny. <laughs> Uh, okay, uh, so I'm like 38 years old. M0 is my second startup and third company. Between the startups, I had DevOps, uh, Cloud Infrastructure Services company. And uh, yeah, M0 is a self-service cloud management platform based for uh, uh, infrastructure as code. And we just launched our public beta about a week ago. And that's basically the one-liner. <laughs> Uh, cool. So we're going to have fun digging into what, what the public beta is about. So this is the first time you've got product on market? M0, yeah. It's uh, available just now. Excellent. Uh, and so, boy, uh, the, I'm, reading, I'm reading the phrase off the website, which is self-service cloud environments, but it looks mm-hmm. like there's so much more to this. What was the goal? What do you, what do you, what do you hope customers use M0 for? It feels like customers have the challenge how to balance between two things. One is the self-service for cloud resources and the other is governance. And it feels like with current solutions, you can only choose one. Okay? Hmm. If you allow your developers to run freely and have self-service, you can do it, but then you lose control. You don't have any idea what they're doing, how much money they spend, security permissions, stuff like that. And if you want to limit everything through a centralized team, like a DevOps team, and you can do it as well, but anyone that needs cloud resources, just open tickets. And then asynchronically, the DevOps team, the ops team, um, do their thing. Uh, but this slows down dramatically the team. So we just want to allow companies what they really need, and that's the combination of those two. And maybe one other thing to say that regarding governance, uh, we we learned that cost management, a new approach of cost management, is very important for customer. So this is the crucial part of the governance. Right, no, that makes sense. And, and then, so from that perspective, do you create a portal that people use to interface down into other cloud infrastructures, or are you monitoring their use and then, and then providing some controls? 
Basically, we manage the deployments, okay? So we execute the deployments, we get read access to your infrastructure as code, such as Terraform or CloudFormation. So we get read access to your Git repo, and then we get the right credentials to your cloud account, AWS, Google, Azure, or whatever you, you want. Those are the main three, but we support everything. And we execute the runs for you. So we are those that causing the, the deployments, and those who want to create deployments can do it through our UI, and also, obviously, API or CLI. Okay, that makes sense. And then, so does that mean that you, so if it, you, you had mentioned Terraform. If somebody has a Terraform plan, is that how they broker through your service? Are they giving you a plan to then execute, or do you, you know, I guess whenever I think about somebody who is helping interface into other people's clouds, I always wonder about how you expose or express the API of those clouds, uh, because mm -hmm. that ends up being a challenge. And some, you know, and, and that's, that is the challenge of, of any services trying to control uh, somebody's consumption, is you have to, you have to be in front of, of their use of that cloud, right? Our story is very simple, you know. When we started, like uh, more than a year ago, and we asked companies, are you using infrastructure as code? Do you have your own infrastructure as code? Usually the answer was, uh, not yet, we're about to, it's so important, it's on a roadmap. Now, if we ask them, usually the answer, yeah, of course, we have Terraform version 12, and it sits on those Git repos, and our challenge is to fully automate, and we have like small pieces that are missing, and we're working on the, the missing pieces. So we are not replacing uh, you know, this layer of infrastructure as code, but we provide something on top of it, which is the management and automation layers on top of your existing, existing code. So we don't ask for a plan, we ask for the code, and we generate the plan, and if needed, execute the plan. Oh, okay, so you would generate a Terraform plan from that perspective? Yeah, we have the code. Okay. And then the users decide what they want to do with M0 regarding that code, which users have access to fully run it, uh, what kind of users have permissions to just generate the plan, and then run somebody else approves the plan, mostly in production environments. That's a common use case in production environments. Maybe someone only has permissions to view the cloud resources can be a product manager that wants to look at the pull request branches, uh, cloud environments to see if this is matching their PRD. Uh, maybe CFO wants to understand the cost, but not to generate more cloud resources. So we have a concept of false and, and governance uh, for this process. That's interesting. So if I already had, if I wanted to get started in M0, um, but you know, I'm not going to turn over all my cloud resources right away. I'm going to, going to look for a starting project. What would a starting project look like from an M0? So for, sure, for sure, not production. Okay. okay. <laughs> uh, before you give us uh, the keys to your production, there's, there's a lot of places that we can generate value for you in a lower risk and simple process for the mm -hmm. customer. So it depends. There are, there are a few use cases that we feel are very common for, for uh, POCs. And usually it's, it's a project that uh, often being orchestrated, okay, dynamic environments. It can be pull requests, it can be research environments for a data scientist, for sales engineers to simplify, you know, sales engineers, people that are not that technical as developers. Uh, 
want a simple interface to, to do demos, to do customer support, customer facing activities. So those are usually the easiest ways, lower friction to just give us access to your code, give us access to a non-critical non cloud account. Okay. And then you're gonna see the value later on when you want to reduce your cloud costs and optimize more things in the organization, you move on to more crucial uh, shared production environments. So when you say I, I should be giving you access to code, would that mean that you're then gonna do a build and a compile that you're gonna take it through a pipeline process? Or do you, you know, where, where in the, so if, if I'm writing a new project or code and then I come in, you know, do you then take over a full dev pipeline from that perspective and monitor commits? How, where are you in that, that infrastructure as code uh, spectrum? Perfect, very relevant question. So think about, of us as the third piece. The, second, the first two pieces are things that already exist in all companies. Okay. The first piece is where I put my code. Let's say GitHub, Bitbucket, GitLab, your favorite uh, Git or maybe other uh, repositories. Sure. Then you ask yourself how I generate binaries or Docker images from that code. Jenkins is a great example, CircleCI and other solutions uh, on that domain. Then once you have those binaries, you have those Docker images, and uh, you ask yourself how I deploy that into my cloud accounts, okay? okay? So that's where we fit in. That's where you should think about M0 as your solution for doing that. But we do not aim to replace Code management, okay? okay. So in, in a lot of cases, somebody might say, all right, I've got that. My Jenkins is going to spin up a Terraform plan and apply a Terraform plan. Mm -hmm. uh, and that'll go implement resources or pull things in. How does, so you're, you're basically a layer, you're substituting on just, hey, run, just run the Terraform. You're providing me with some, some different type of control. So would I be able to watch a build go through the process, then you're going to get a hook off that build and then supervise the oper operations behind that. Is that sort of what it would look like? Yeah, I can give you an example of a customer using both GitHub and GitHub Actions as a you know, replacement for, uh, for SQL CI or, or Jenkins. And then in uh, GitHub Actions, they initiate uh, API calls to M0 in order to deploy each pull request. And they have, by the way, it's a great combination if you work serverless because it's very cheap. Serverless costs basically nothing. And if you just use it internally. So this combination, serverless has a lot of, a lot of advantages in, in many ways. So the combination of serverless and dynamic uh, ephemeral environments for, for pull requests is something that provides both huge velocity for the R&D teams and product to examine what's going on before being pushed to master, end-to-end uh, mm. -end tests, uh, running fully before being pushed to master. And on the other end, great, okay. you know, all concerns. It's very cheap, it's very secured, it's easy to manage. And M0 provides uh, the capabilities for you to manage those environments, like pull request environments. That makes sense. And then so, and this is running as a SaaS, right? So if, if I'm running the environment, I'm going to hook you into that pipeline and then we'll, and then you'll actually, you'll have my cloud credentials and you'll be able to execute the request on, on that in, in that instance. Is that so a, yeah, that? We, okay. our, our basic offering is SaaS. We do have an on-prem, which is AWS only. So if you have an AWS account and you want 
to run N0 in your AWS, you should contact us and we will talk about it and, and implement it in your AWS account if you okay. want to run it in your So that's Google like, account. that would be a single tenant or a self-managed version is what you're describing. It's more than a single tenant. It's self-managed, self-hosted. Okay. okay. It's just a self-hosted in your VPC, in your AWS account. Interesting. Okay. Why, and, and, that's, and that's, that's a benefit if somebody doesn't want to share any data, so it's not... Yeah, like that's for the bigger organizations and sometimes those that are more uh, regulated, like financial mm -hmm. institutes, they mm -hmm. would probably prefer this approach. Of course, it's much more expensive, but for them, it makes sense. That makes a lot of, a lot of sense. And then once you've got the infrastructure deployed, uh, I mean, because what you're describing is, hey, I've, I've got a pipeline, I'm going to deploy some infrastructure. That's easy for a new, it's easier for a new project maybe, but what we're describing is this constantly changing set of infrastructure. So how do you know if I need to expand or contract or tear down an infrastructure once I've already stood it up, right? Because if you're making incremental changes, you might not have to reset all the machines in that, that, that plan. So what does that look like? So you can, first you can import, let's say your existing environments. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Uh, so you can import that to us and then you get more, more value, you get audit and actual cost. You know, sometimes cost increases and you find it only much later on. And you want to <laughs> know it. Yeah. What's that? When you get the bill, yeah. Cloud shock bill. Uh, yeah. Cloud bill shock, excuse me. It, it, it's very often for you to, to realize the damage when it's too late. So we, we have a patent pending on automatically and recursively tagging all of your resources, including third-party code resources, so you get granularity on what's going on. So let's say if you're booking .com and you start using M0, uh, you will immediately see how much money you pay for uh, hotels and how much money you pay for flights and how much for car rentals, even if mm -hmm. all of those services are running in your same cloud account. So we provide you this granularity automatically. Very nice. Okay. And then, and then you had described that what you were doing as cloud native. Um, I mean, it's it's clearly working in cloud. What do, what do you see this as the cloud native component from that perspective? What makes it cloud native as opposed to you know I guess cloud enabled? You know, even without M zero, what's going on outside in in, in the world? is shifting to using more cloud native and basically the best suited services for your operations. Okay, so companies starting to first think how they're gonna run it in the cloud and only later on how they're gonna use it for, for development. So we see great solutions. I think BigQuery by Google is a great, great service, but mm -hmm. it's on the cloud. It's natively runs on the cloud. You cannot run it on your laptop. So now if you're a developer and you have BigQuery, in your app, how you test it end-to-end -end before you push code to master. So yeah. that's what we, we provide. We provide easily orchestrated self-service cloud environments. So any developer can run his or her local, let's say, environment, and, but it's not running on your laptop because sometimes it's impossible to run it on your laptop. Yeah, you run it in the cloud, even maybe not your cloud resources, uh, cloud vendor, cloud provider. It can be something external to your public cloud vendor, like uh, let's say SendGrid or Zero or Stripe. Those are great services that are often used, but it's sure. again, for never gonna run it on, on your laptop. Uh, you need something different to run and 
to test your code. Right. So now you're now you're talking about being different stages in that pipeline. So it's not just your production pieces, but you're actually using M0 to spin up a test environment that actually does a real exercise as part of that sequence. Is that the Absolutely. We look at ourselves as the developer first company. What we want to do is to start with helping the developers. The same way it's easy for developers to do Git clone and get new code. And the same way it's going to be MZO deploy in order to get those matching cloud resources for that code. And sometimes you want to update your code, so you need to update those cloud resources. Sometimes you want to switch to another branch. The same way you do Git checkout, you want to do redeploy with another code, another version of your uh, cloud resources. So we want to simplify this process for, for developers to run and test and develop as easy as it is for getting their code. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. So I'm, I'm in a pipeline of push code into a test or production. And how does M0 know what the resource footprint is for that? I mean, that's, it, you know, it, I guess, can you step us through a little bit? You know, is, mm -hmm. is there, you know, I'm assuming there's a database and you're tracking what gets spun up. But um, you know, you you mentioned using Terraform for that, or uh, you know, another platform like maybe a Kubernetes or something like that. How how are you you know, getting in front of that? And then how do you tell people what what their actual consumption is? So it's very easy because we actually do the deploys. Okay? Uh, okay. So we get read access to your code, which is infrastructure's code. It's basically the recipes of how to orchestrate the new cloud resources, right. and we we perform the deployments. We know who did it, when it was done, and some metadata and association to this process. For example, the TTL. Do you need those resources infinitely? Or do you need those resources only for a few hours or a day because it's ephemeral and you're gonna dispose it later on? So you have a policy that you will not forget and also to enforce it by the ops, by the DevOps, in order not to create a lot of, a lot of cost. So that's, we, we basically have the platform that has, let's say, a new language of how responsibly uh, you create those new resources. Oh, that's fascinating. So this is, so there's a DSL from that perspective, but you're right. When I think about a Terraform request, it's give me a machine. There's no how long I need it. There's exactly. really no, no accounting information. And once it's done, especially with Terraform, you're, you know, that the state of that infrastructure is now stored on a file somewhere. It's not centrally exactly. managed. So somebody else can't come behind you and turn, turn down the heat or turn it up if somebody's I'll, like, oh, we need to scale this up. Okay. I'll simplify, I'll, I'll simplify that. Infrastructure Please. as code is a great technical solution. We are at M0 a business solution. Oh, okay. That makes a lot of sense. So when you, if you were going to explain infrastructure as code from a business perspective, how would mm -hmm. you, right? I mean, because I, I think this is an important thing. A lot of us you know, are excited about the idea of infrastructure as code and, and automating deployment. Um, you're the first company I've, I've seen who's really said, all right, yay, but that's, those are cost units that you're, you're taking, you're, you're spending out there. How mm -hmm. do you define, you know, how do you, how do you suggest a technologist explain the benefit to a business person? Hmm. <clears throat> it, it, it's really easy. You know, developers, if you ask them now, uh, do you need those cloud resources running? They'll probably say yes, because they have no incentive to tear the, those down. <laughs> okay, they're, they're not in charge of, of the cost. I, I have a small joke. It's like asking a lawyer something. You ask a lawyer what time it is. The lawyer says no. That's, that's what they always say. No, it's, it's impossible. You cannot do it. 
So a developer, same thing. Automatically answer, I need those cloud resources. Don't take those down because maybe I'm going to need it later on. But that's, that makes no sense for the business, okay? Because clearly you don't need it infinitely. So if yeah. you talk with DevOps guys, and if you talk with the operations, what is on top of your list? It's reducing cloud cost. And there are several ways how to do it. You can change your architecture. You can optimize some cloud resources and, you know, like using spot instances and more responsible um, unikernels and some other optimizations, serverless. But the basic things in, is just not running useless that nobody use cloud resources right. and right. have visibility into your business. Like I said earlier with the booking.com, for example, it's just a, a theoretical yeah. example of to understand for what, what you pay. You don't need to understand if you pay for RDS or S3 buckets. You need to understand if um, bookings.com is paying their production for uh, hotels or flights or car rentals. So we provide this visibility and governance. Interesting. The, the, I guess, but that means that you also need to have a lot of information to influence the size of the infrastructure, what's appropriate to spin up, what the backing, or I mean, this is, infrastructure isn't generic, just like you were saying, it's, it's actually very specific. So does your DSL encompass this, this idea that I can be very descriptive in my infrastructure choice backing this a solution? Uh, that's not what N0 is responsible. That's thanks to mm -hmm. infrastructure as code. And, you know, okay. with infrastructure as code, you have basically the ability to, you know, orchestrate and decide on the best architecture for you. Okay. And you optimize it with your infrastructure as code. code. Okay. And, and you can also optimize that with some variables. And depending on the values that you decide that are injected into your code, it can be environment mm -hmm. variables, in Terraform it can be Terraform variables. Uh, this can further optimize what you're doing. Maybe you need to run your environments in certain configuration, let's say, okay, which is the best optimized. So, so Ad, I have a question that, um... I guess it's maybe a common infrastructure as a code thing, but one of the things you say, and, and I get it, but at the same time I worry about it, is that I have to give you access to my code, uh, the way your products work. Are there certain security features that are built in? Are there certain security standards? Um, can you talk a little bit more about the security side of that for people who say, oh my goodness, I don't want to give my code to you know, just some code? Some person, sorry about that, code to code. No, no, that's, 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 that's clear. But you know, a lot of solutions uh, that provide value for customers and need the uh, access to your code. We, by the way, need just read access to, our, to your code. And obviously we have a very detailed uh, security policy and information we share on our, our, on our documentation, such as uh, being a SOC 2 compliant uh, company that is very, very relevant to, you know, you just need to, uh, and trust those kind of vendors. And as I mentioned, we also have for the, you know, regulated financial institutes, if this is still a problem, and sometimes, you know, it is for relevant reasons for relevant customers. It's not the main scenario, but it does exist and we cannot avoid that and tell the customer that they're wrong because they're not wrong. 
that's what they need. The customer is always right. And so that's why we have the on-premise solution for, uh, for customers that don't want to share externally uh, information such as read access to code. And just mentioning it's not all of your code. It's just the orchestration, the infrastructure as code. Most of the code that is being used in your Jenkins, in your CircleCI, in your GitHub Actions to build the binaries, to create the binaries, we don't need that. We later need access to your infrastructure as code code in order to deploy those uh, resources. So, right, and that, that makes a ton of sense. I mean, you're, when you say infrastructure as code, that, what does that translate to? Is that strictly the M0 uh, DSL, or you know, do you have a preferred way for people to express the infrastructure as code delivery? Our, it's not like DSL, we have policies, okay? It's not okay. DSL, it's more you know, business logic and, and just management. Okay. Uh, we don't want to do vendor locking. Uh, that's a very basic concept. We just want you yeah. to use your own model. And basically we see that Terraform is the big winner there. And uh, we see some CloudFormation, we see some uh, ARM, we see some Pulumi. We see some okay. great uh, infrastructure as code, but Terraform is for sure, at least now, is the big, you know, the big, uh, the big market, and we get read access to your Terraform. And what we often see that, in addition to infrastructure as code, you, you probably have a few more things. Ansible is very common mm -hmm. to later configure whatever was orchestrated in Terraform, and so Ansible and a little bit Chef and Puppet as well. And some, you know, just in-house Python or even Bash scripts or CLI of uh, AWS or G Cloud for Google. Of it's, a, it's a combination of recipes uh, that eventually create the cloud resources needed for the customers, and they write it. Okay, they so write that's, it. That's how they're they're they're. You're basically helping them orchestrate the work that they're already doing, you're just giving them more, more visibility. It's not just, you're giving them more visibility into the impact and the resources are allocated on the back end by that, that infrastructure. Do you I would add to then, visibility and yeah. visibility, predictability and governance. Okay. And then do you have to, do you have to intercept those requests? Because I, I mean, just knowing when I do a Terraform request, knowing that it, you know, that somebody is tracking the thing that was supposed to be created was created. The thing that was turned out supposed to be torn down was torn down. Just even reconciling that type of information is really important. So how do you, how do you sort of figure out the, the balance between these scripts that somebody's because somebody's bringing you Terraform scripts in this yeah. case or chef or Ansible puppet, whatever, mm -hmm. um, Plumi, they, they might not, <laughs> work they might you know they, they could throw errors they could create i mean it's that's 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 where infrastructure as code is hard it's a robot it doesn't mm. always do what you expect it to do and yeah and one of the basic features that we have is to notify you on failed environments because what failed environments mean to your business it means that you pay for something that doesn't work okay right. that has no use so uh, one of the things that customers often use us for is to you know give flexibility to developers and then on the other hand devops guys and uh, just look at the failed environments track them down and destroy it maybe manually maybe retrying we have an automatic smart retry mechanism that helps 
avoiding those failures because sometimes you get a failure by an actual temporary error of the cloud vendor and you want to retry certain errors, not all errors because some errors are more important and needs your attention and some you just want to retry. You already know those and you know that every once in a while it happens. So the, this, those capabilities of automatic retry of common errors and visibility of failed, irrelevant, unused, useless cloud environments <laughs> are things we easily provide uh, yeah. you know, to, to the customers. That's smart. I, I, like, I like being able to use, because like, uh, we, we hit the same thing in what we do. You know, replicating Terraform's APIs when they've already got so much done uh, it's not that useful. You get advantage of the open source componentry around that, mm -hmm. that layer. Mm -hmm. So, cool. do you find that there are things in like the open source cloud providers that you're you're adding to, or are you extending libraries in this case, or is it just can you just pick up what's there? We enjoy the shift to to open source. Okay, yeah. open source helps in so many ways, and. Not just the you know what's actually being written, but also the support is a part of the open source. If you have an error and you want to understand what happened, you can Google that or go to Stack Overflow and find out what you're doing wrong, how you can fix it, how you can improve it. That's what open source is. It's not just code. It's the basic concept of how you work with code that somebody else uh, has has written. And again, the solutions out there today are focused on technical solution and, and we provide the management on top of that. For those of you that remember and still use VMware and there is the difference between ESX or ESXi, uh -huh. which is basically what controls the bare metal or the resources, which is a technical hypervisor uh, with some, uh, you know, some features, and there is the vCenter, the vSphere, that manages um, everything, that manages those ESXs, and the admins go to vSphere in order to control their environments and provide customers what they need. So you can agree that Terraforming infrastructure as code is like ESX, it's a technical solution that connects to cloud resources and orchestrates and the new compute units, but NM0 is like vSphere. It's providing the customers, the management, the visibility, governance for their cloud resources. Uh, Had, let me uh, step in, because this is always the time where I step in and Rod gets mad at me. But, uh, but Rod needs to go work on his hair some more, so I don't think he'll get mad at me. As I, I'm fun. working on it every moment. It's getting longer and longer for my next haircut. And so uh, you, you have a long way to go for your hair to get longer. So, uh, Ohad, um, if people are interested, I know your website is env0.com. Do you mm -hmm. guys have trials, uh, demos? Uh, if people are interested, what should they do when they head over to your website? Uh, they can just use it. Uh, we have and we'll always have a freemium tier uh, for small usage. So they can use it now and later on for free. And we have two more tiers for more advanced use cases, and uh, it's free on beta as well. During the beta, it's free for you to, to use the more advanced capabilities as well. So both free trial and a freemium tier that will last forever. And uh, Ohad, if people want to get in touch with uh, you or the company, are you on Twitter chatting about, mm -hmm. or um, what would your, what's your Twitter handle so people can go there as well? 
uh, O-Mislish, O-M-A-I-S-L-I-S-H, that's my private, and M0, it's E-N-V-Z-E-L-O. Those are our, our Twitter handles. And yeah, feel free to reach out. Yeah, it's no problem. It looks like your account is pretty new on N0 on your Twitter mm -hmm. account. So I just followed you from, uh, oh, I did. I thought I had it set for latest shiny, but it's me. So we'll help drive up the numbers of uh, people that follow you. And, uh, and I see yourself as well. So for our listeners, we hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Ohad, uh, thank you for joining us and talking about your technologies. It's great. And in a couple of months, uh, you know, reach out to us again when you guys are further along and maybe have something new and interesting so we can keep our listeners up to date on uh, where you're again, uh, Ohad and Rob, for the, this week's podcast to our listeners. We hope you enjoyed this. And as usual, if you want to join Rob or myself, uh, you want to argue with us about something or anything like that, reach out. We're happy to uh, have you on the podcast. Thank to both of you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, thanks, Stephen.